fans, before we begin, just a quick reminder to join our friend Billy Kegler on the Competitive Mindset Podcast, where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. Join along on the journey to lifelong learning and improved performance with the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow along on social media at Competitive Pod. And if you haven't done it already, please check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for unbelievable coaching resources from Coach Steve Collins. He also has an extremely active Facebook community. So again, teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. And it's not too late to help out our boy Takuma Letsum during his fight with ALS. If you go to our Twitter page at 816 basketball on Twitter, find out all the details and how you can donate to help Tack in his fight. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a AAU coach, a CYO coach, or even if you happen to have like a thousand wins as a coach. Well, it, it could be that, it, you know, I, I, I've really grown to love our pre-show chatter. I learned so much about you, Chris de Blasio, and I get to learn about our guest. And uh, you mentioned the thousand wins. So uh, another thing that I want to mention about our guest before we officially introduce him, that he enjoys maybe long walks on the beach, but I know more than anything that he enjoys a good motorcycle ride on a, a beautiful New Jersey day. But also to add to that thousand win total, I believe he was the first ever so a thousand wins in New Jersey. I want to see if I'm correct on that. But welcome to the show, Jeff Jasper. Appreciate you joining us. Well, thank guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to correct that. I am the first girls coach to reach a thousand wins. But the great Bob Hurley uh, from St. Anthony's was, of course, the first high school coach in New Jersey to reach a thousand. So we're the only two. Um, yeah, to clarify that for what it's worth. That is that is good company to keep. That is good yeah. company to keep. That's for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that is true. You know, last uh, last October, not this October, the October before, um, <clears throat> uh, Ed Finn, who is just a uh, a marvelous basketball referee and a man who's done a wonderful thing, they put together um, a huge dinner down in Jersey City, uh, and the highlight of the dinner is to receive the Bob Hurley Award, right? So people who, you know, Bob Hurley is one of only two high school coaches who is in the name Naismith. Um, you know, uh, Hall of Fame, right? So the, only, the other one being uh, Wooten, right? Morgan Wooten. So, uh, and Bob and I are very, very good friends. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be the recipient of that Bob Hurley Award. So I'm going to tell a quick story on that. So the official who did the Hurley 1000th game and the official who did my 1000th game is the same official. We had him, on, just as it turned out, was on both games when Hurley won his thousands and then uh, a couple of years later when I won my, my thousands. So at that dinner, that official is there and um, he comes up, he's wearing both shirts. One shirt that was Hurley's thousands and one was my thousands. That was so unique. Now, I want to tell you the story quickly before we go on to the greatest game kind of thing. So while I'm giving my acceptance speech, you know, at this huge dinner, uh, I let it be known that one of the 
true highlights of my entire career because I think I've coached, um, you know, so I'm somewhere, you know, about 1,250 games or so, right? Um, and I said the thing that is most, that I'm most proud, one of the things I'm most proud of is that I've never had a technical foul. Well, Hurley afterwards comes up. He goes, that is you. There's no way you've never had a technical foul. I said, Bob, I've never had a technical foul. So when we had the picture taken with the official in between us, he let it be known on a recording. Between us, between he and myself, he said, we have 100 technical fouls. Of course, this guy has none. And of course, Hurley's notorious for uh, for having that happen. So anyway, that was that was the part time humor of the night uh, of all of that. Anyway, that's a little side story for you. <laughs> I said that, Coach. I was standing at a playoff game two years ago with um, Marty Rivard, oh, and I yeah. said, "I said between the two of us, we have seven hundred and fifty two wins. I have two of them. He has seven hundred fifty." Well said, <laughs> Coach. Usually at this time, we ask that's you. Like we ask you to give your resume in coaching, but you've only coached at one place. Uh, that is true. I have, uh, you know, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. You know, Pascac Valley has been uh, been great to me. You know what they say on Saturday Night Live, you know, um, you know, Gary Morris was the uh, comedian who did. He said, you know, his line was, of course, baseball, but mine is basketball has been very, very good to me. And Pascac Valley has been very, very good to me. I've been in the right place at the right time. So that's how it works. How many years is it now, officially? 43, 44? Oh, no. So this, uh, um, I have, uh, coming up will be my 48th year of coaching. I'm in my 50th year of teaching right now. So, yeah. So that's how it works. I'm the only, I'm the only, I, I began the program. So I'm the only girls coach they've ever had. I'm it. Yeah, I'm the poster child for this. Well, <laughs> Coach, so I'm, I'm really curious about as you start the program almost 50 years ago, what's that like as a, as a young coach? You're, you're just getting into coaching. Why, why get into coaching? Why get into teaching? And then what's it like to start a program? And then just tell us about those early years. Well, that's, a, that, that's a great question. So uh, I'm going to give you the background on it because uh, the personal story kind of tells you why I got into teaching and coaching uh, and how it all came to be. But uh, so uh, I, uh, I am a Vietnam veteran, and um, I remember vividly um, the night that I had the epiphany uh, that I wanted to teach and coach. Uh, I was uh, knee deep in, uh, in water in the Mekong Delta at the time. I was, a, uh, I was a, a first lieutenant, infantry airborne lieutenant, and uh, oh God, it was way in the middle of the night raining down on my poncho. I had hidden in the poncho. I had lit up, lit up a, a Marlboro cigarette and uh, going above me are the, the trace rounds going off and whatever. And I remember saying to myself vividly, and this, this story comes back to me on oh, pretty much a regular basis, just uh, whenever, whenever I need a good reality check. And I said then, uh, when I get out of here, I want to make sure I do something uh, where I make an impact on people's lives. I said, I want to teach and I want to coach. And so um, that's, uh, that's been my motivation. That's been that epiphany pretty much has directed me. So uh, I came back um, and um, I was, believe it or not, figuring that I could never really rejoin society <laughs> and think I was ready. My father calls me. Uh, I was in uh, 
<clears throat> I was in Carmel, California uh, at the time. And my father calls me and he says, uh, son, there's a uh, English position open at Pascack Valley High School. And my old, uh, my old basketball coach by the name of Jerry Thomas um, had reached out to my dad. He was a vice principal. And he said, uh, get Jeff to come back here and interview for this job. So I said, dad, I, I, I don't think I'm ready for anything right now. And my father said, you come back. I'll make sure that, uh, you know, I fly you back if that's the case. So never could say no to my dad, came back, interviewed for the job and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So this is how it is. So I took that job and here we are, uh, you know, basically 40 going into 48 years of coaching, 50 years of teaching all at the same place. That's how the story came to be. So when I went into the athletic director's office in my first year of teaching, I was an English teacher then. I'm a history teacher now, but I was, you know, spent the first half of my career as an English teacher. I walk into his office, you know, by this time my hair is down to my shoulders, you know, it is 1973. Um, okay. You remember those, none of you remember, you're way too young, but <laughs> Yeah, you know, hair down on my shoulders and uh, wearing platform sh platform uh, shoes, bell-bottom pants, you know, big, big collared uh, shirt, looked like John Travolta coming out of uh, any one of his movies. And, and the athletic director's name was Joe Talamo, famous football coach. And I walked in and I said, uh, Mr. Talamo, um, if you ever need a coach, anybody, you don't have to pay me anything. I, I would just, I would be like, I would do it. And uh, <clears throat> he told me there was no one else in the office. He took one look at me. He said, why don't you come back and see me when I'm alone? I looked around. I said, Jesus, he is alone. Okay, that's a message, right? So a couple, uh, couple of months later, I go back to see him again. I said, I, I, I'm coming back. Uh, and he goes, you know, next year we're going to start a girls basketball team. If you take the girls basketball team for one year, you can be the following year, you can be the boys JV coach. I said, are you kidding? That's awesome. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And uh, so the next year I started, uh, they had never had a girls team before. Third day of practice, I marched back into his office and I said, Mr. Talamo, all bets are off. I'm staying with this. I had uh, 70 girls out for that first team. They had never played basketball before. I was literally coaching aliens. They hadn't seen, didn't know the rules, didn't have not a clue. I'm not saying that I had more than a clue either. Okay. Um, and uh, so that, that's how it began. And from there on, uh, yeah, that first year we were two and 14, but we've never uh, had anything like that since then. So um, yeah, that was awesome. So that's how it started. And it's a beautiful thing. Why the, uh, I'm sure you've had offers, why the desire never to leave Pascac Valley? Well, um, well, first off, I just love, <laughs> you know. Uh, or what is it, the question more is what do you love about high school coaching, especially? Oh, yeah, it's so pure. I mean, it's the purest. Uh, have, I, have I interviewed for some other things along the way? I have, um, but I could never see myself. Uh, I love teaching. And uh, the high school game is, to me, is all about teaching. So the court is just an extension of my classroom. And uh, I'm not a great, you know, straight strategy guy. I'm not a great tactical coach. I, I, I admit that thing. But I, 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 I can teach the fundamentals really well. And I can teach the concepts of basketball. Um, 
you know, fairly well. So, um, you know, I don't call plays. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I'm just uh, free form been into, uh, you know, an open game long before it became an open game. Okay. Long before somebody decided they'd find, uh, you know, driving dish basketball, that was uh, pretty much uh, freewheeling that I was always into. So um, it's just an opportunity really to teach. And that's how I love it. So um, it's what I do. But the real thing that I do is I'm a teacher. So uh, I don't really call myself a coach as much as I, you know, I always, I always found when John Wooden would talk about not only his pyramid of success, but when he talked about what was important about his coaching and uh, he said, uh, and I kind of go with this myself, when someone would call me coach, I'd be like, mm, no, it's not really accurate. I'm a teacher. And uh, John wouldn't always believe that, uh, you know, what he did was uh, truly teach basketball. And, and that's kind of the way I see it. So where else could I do it as pure and as simple as I do it now? People come in often. They'll say, Jasper, I want to come in and see what you do. I go, well, you're welcome to it. You're always welcome to come in and see this stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's pretty simple. And you're going to walk away and go, okay, so that's it. And I always go, yep, that's it. So. That's the answer. Coach, so a lot of times I'm a high school athletic director in South Carolina. I'll talk to my coaches that uh, work with, with us now or coaches that I've worked with in the past and sometimes wonder, hey, I wonder how so-and-so is doing that played play for us 15 years ago or you know, 10 years ago. I, I wonder if if we had a, any impact on them. And there's a quote here from a story at uh, CBS in New York that um, uh, quoted about you is that, basketball ends up being the vehicle that coach Jasper uses to promote confidence, integrity, and work ethic with his students, both in the classroom and on the basketball court. So my question is over 40 years of coaching, how have you seen basketball and what you're teaching on the floor impacting your girls when they come back to you 20 years later, 30 years later, how, how has that impacted them? Well, let's say, uh, well, first off, that's, that's really nice that somebody would say that about me. Uh, and nice to see you would ask that question. Um, my belief always has been, and this is right from the beginning, and I've been an, I've been a, um, an advocate for um, not only for basketball, but for girls' basketball from the beginning. I mean, I'm married to a feminist, so, um, you know, I'm raised in a household. My mother was uh, also a, a really strong woman. Um, and so when I began this, it was, um, <laughs> I remember I, one of my first times meeting with the team and going through practice and, uh, I would be like, uh, look, we will never be anything until in fact, you recognize that you guys are all athletes. This is not about girls basketball. This is about basketball. So that's been a mantra of mine throughout. So it's always been about uh, forming really strong uh, women role models for them to stand up for who they are. Um, and if you, you know, uh, you know, uh, Evie, I, the, the ceiling is there's still a glass ceiling. So we're still fighting through that. Nothing better than looking how the NCAA and the March Madness thing unfolded, um, you know, this uh, this past March with uh, the women as they were treated. So we're fighting this all the time. Uh, but anyway, I, I've always been that they will be strong, independent women. If they can get through, and I, I am—I must say—I I want both of you to know that um, 
I'm a very intense guy. So um, when I'm between the lines, I'm a much different person. I'm a real, I'm a real Jekyll and Hyde. So outside of the court, I'm just really the Zen master. But on the court, I'm, uh, they'll tell you that I'm, I'm sometimes over the top with my intensity. Uh, never in a bad way, but uh, in a way that if, I, if we've taught it, you're going to be held accountable to ensure that you execute it. Um, and uh, I would say that by the time they finish uh, four years in this program, um, they will be tough, tough individuals who can uh, certainly handle criticism, be held accountable, uh, be responsible for what they do, uh, um, and quite frankly, feel good about who they are. So that's, that's always been the way I've approached it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah, they all, uh, yeah, it's, it's been beautiful. So that's all I can say, you know, but I'm not, uh, I'm not a milk and cookies kind of guy. I'm not clapping my hands and going, oh, bad luck on that. You know, you threw the ball in the stands. We're going to have a little chat about that right in front of everybody. Uh, so, you know, Tom Izzo is a pretty tough character when he goes after his people. Yeah. So you can put that with mine as well. So um, that's, you know, I just feel that's the way the game should be played. You've got to be held accountable. The fundamentals are important. If we've been working on it, you know, then we expect that it's going to be done, uh, done the right way. We're going to play basketball the right way. I don't know if that answers your question, but. I wish my team would throw the ball into the stand sometimes rather than throw it to the other team. <laughs> I would take, just throw it into the stands, guys, please. <laughs> We get more assists for the other team sometimes. Yeah, I, I have said to my point guard on occasion, that was a great pass because that, that kid in the stands did have his hands open. So that was nice yeah. yes, you're right. <laughs> or when you get hit in the hands with a pass on the sideline, you know, when that one happens too. You're like, I was open. You're right. I was. <laughs> um, yeah. We do need how, a sense <laughs> What is it about? I guess you kind of answered it, so it would be a terrible question to ask you. And I was just going to say, what is it about coaching young ladies that has really driven you all these years and that you've never, you know, had the hankering to go coach boys, which I know at camps and things like that, I'm sure you've coached kids and of all genders and ages. But um, what made you that early on that third day go back to the athletic director and know that you wanted to coach girls basketball or females? But I, I'm going to answer that in a lot of ways right now, okay? Because I think it's a great question, all right? Uh, but first, going back to that that first thing is that the, they were just so eager. Um, and they have been still so eager. Um, the egos are, you know, checked at the door. These kids come in uh, daily, uh, always year after year, uh, hungry to learn, no body language, Um uh, you can keep the drama to a minimum. I don't think there's any team that can say they have no drama because that just goes with it regardless of the gender. Um, but uh, they're just hungry to learn. They, hand, they handle themselves. They, they, they believe uh, in uh, the team concept. They believe in being great teammates. Uh, they're, they're, uh, that's, that, I, I've just found that all the way across the board. They will, whatever the expectations are, they will meet them. And uh, they are they're driven. Um, they accept it, uh, and they work hard. Now I'm going to go back to the first thing. All right. So, um, at no time would I ever address my team as ladies, right? 
So, I mean, I would always talk to them as young women um, uh, because uh, unless I was coaching a boys team and I was going to say that you're all gentlemen, that would be the only way that there would be a, a common common thread. But I doubt that that's the case. So for me, it's always young women. Often I just call them guys. So I call it in a generic sense. OK, um, you know, so and why would I always stay with them? Uh, there have been a number of times there was one one short period of time when I actually coached both, both the boys and girls. The boys coach had uh, had a resign before the season started so I coached both teams for a couple of weeks um, but in reality when somebody has asked me about that I used Gino Oriema's line which uh, I had used long before Gino did but same line which is uh, why would I take a step backwards so uh, you know I'm really proud of who I am I remember uh, at uh, a uh, NJSIAA uh, coaches clinic that uh, at the time was at uh, Stockton Stockton College, and just before I spoke, there were about 500 coaches in the stands, and I followed Hurley, actually, and Hurley spoke first, and he's always so dynamic and incredibly wonderful, right, and um, then uh, then they introduced me after Hurley, and I was I was, on, I was a young coach uh, at that time, and uh, I, I looked up there, and as I started to speak, people were writing stuff down, you know, and I was like, wow, that's amazing, that's great. You know, and I said, I just want you to know, um, I was really pleased when I was introduced that I was not introduced as a girls basketball coach, but I was introduced as a basketball coach. So that's always the way that I've seen myself. Um, and I uh, when people say, wow, oh, so you coach girls and early on, it would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you coach girls. OK, so like. Yeah, you're not really a coach because you coach girls basketball. Yeah, that's right. So as much as I'm an advocate for my athletes, trust me, I'm an advocate for what I do. Um, so, um, you know, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I face right up to that. So when someone says to me, oh, so uh, you coach girls basketball, huh? I go, uh, I happen to coach uh, basketball and they are girls, if that's what you mean. So that's how I approach all that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hardened to all that kind of stuff. So um, if I didn't have pride, what I did, because, uh, you know, anybody will tell you that, uh, you know, in Bergen County, North Jersey, uh, around the state of New Jersey, um, I mean, I have been lucky enough to be uh, selected as a national high school coach of the year, coach McDonald's All-American game the nike all-american game i've been able to have some pretty you know mild recognition on certain things and in every one of those cases it's like um yeah i'm an advocate for the game um i just happen to coach girls who play basketball i always said that coach i would work a a five-star camp with uh, coach dave odom when uh, he worked at south carolina and i worked there with him and I always loved the girls camp better than boys camps because like you would get done with the morning session and go to lunch and the girls walked out of the gym and it was time to relax and have lunch and be teenage girls. And they weren't arguing about who didn't pass them the ball during the game. And if you, if you're ever at a camp with boys, all they're talking about is you can't shoot. Oh, you, you didn't pass me the ball. I was open. And you're like, guys, the game, it was a camp game two hours ago. Relax. <laughs> the girls were able to check that. And like I said, at lunchtime, it was lunchtime. In the evening, it was time to relax, not rehash every camp game. 
<laughs> I think there's something to be said about that. I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I watch the, uh, I really, though I see it more recently, by the way, a lot more trash talking among, uh, among girl players as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's a little Diana Taurasi in a lot of them. So, <laughs> you know. So, Coach, I, I love the story about you're in Vietnam. Like you say, tracers flying over your head. And you say, I want to do something that makes an impact on other people. And obviously, you've been able to do that. Um, this is this question just popped in my head because sometimes I ask myself this. I was talking to a buddy earlier, and he basically said, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I would be doing. So if you weren't coaching basketball and teaching high school and teaching basketball like you've talked about, what do you think you would be doing? Well, I, I think this is pretty clear. My wife, uh, if I hadn't married this woman, um, which I married her, I met her, I met her at Pascac Valley. She was a teacher. Uh, we got married on uh, March 5th of 1972. So, um, next year in 2022, well, it will be 50 years. Right. So if I hadn't met her, I'm pretty sure I'd be living in a cardboard box, um, under a train trussle somewhere because I certainly outkicked my coverage here. Um, and, uh, I make no bones about that. So, um, she's kept me on, she kept me grounded, kept me on the, uh, straight and narrow. So I'm not real sure what I would be doing, but I know that I wouldn't be, uh, having this conversation with you guys, not even close. So, um, yeah, that would, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been in the right place at the right time. That's how it's worked. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the low point. Question. This is the low point of forty-eight years of coaching. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Two and fourteen seems pleasant compared to this uh, podcast. Uh, so, listen, you've coached a ton of years. You've had all kinds of championships. One of the things I was most impressed at looking at your resume again: you won a state championship in nineteen eighty-one and one in two thousand and seventeen. So you're not slowing down. Tell us about some of the games that stand out. And, and a lot of times it's not even for the game. It's maybe the, the, the team you had and the young ladies that you had. You tell us about some of those games that really stand out as your greatest games. Well, because you asked me that, it's, uh, you know, what was the greatest among the greatest games. Uh, I got to say that I still consider it the, the greatest game in the milestone. And maybe a lot of people would. It's not a championship game. It wasn't uh, anything of that nature, um, but it was the very first win. It was uh, in, that, in that first season, we only won two games. And in the third game of the year, which ended up to be our first win, we played a team. I want you to know that the first team, uh, you know, we didn't have uniforms, so we had to make them. We uh, cut off blue jeans and wore cut off blue jeans shorts. Those were our game shorts. And then we had T-shirts that uh, were reversible. Uh, and and uh, we had to um, take uh, trainer's tape that you would tape your ankles with and adhesive those numbers to our jerseys. We started that game with five technical fouls. Because the coach on the other team, 
went to the official, quoted the rule book, which was true, that we did not have proper uniforms. Now, we didn't have proper uniforms because uh, nobody really uh, gave a good crap, if you mind. So this is what we were, started it. So the two officials on the game, they're both renowned people, by the way, in Bergen County sports. One is Ed Strohmeyer. The great Ed Strohmeyer, absolutely. Okay, who's responsible, of course, for the uh, Bergen Jamboree, among other things. And the other was the great Mickey Corcoran. Oh, my God. You had the two legends on the game. <laughs> the mentor, right? Uh, and I, uh, I just want you to know that on my bench, by the way, was Ed Strohmeyer's daughter. Didn't matter. Uh, Ed quoted the rule. And, um, you know, Mickey, after Ed walked away, Mickey said to me, I didn't know Mickey at the time, but I want you to know Mickey and I became uh, very, very close friends. Uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, son, don't worry about it. I'll get those points back for you. <laughs> and that was Mickey. So they started off. Uh, they had five technical fouls. They only made two of them. Uh, and then we went on and won that game 37 to nine. That was our first win. And I remember that, um, how ecstatic and, and the, and the vengeful it was okay. That anybody would insult us by saying we were out of uniform when in fact we had no uniforms, you know? Um, yeah, so that, I remember that game as the deal. I still have the picture of that first team. I look at it uh, anytime I want to feel like, okay, where have we come from? Because those girls were really the pioneers. Now, if you go back on that one, let's take the seniors on that team who would have been 18, right, 48 years ago, put that into a number, and you know how old those women are now, right? And I still hear from them, right? Um, so. That first, uh, that first team is very special to me. And that first win uh, is, uh, to me, uh, among the greatest. And with the circumstances around it and uh, the fact that two of those guys, both Strohmeyer and the mentor, Mickey Corcoran, were on that game. Uh, you say either of those names in Bergen County, as you know, um, they, uh, they resonate with everyone um, of a certain generation anyway. So, um, that, you know, that's how it is. So Mickey's... Uh, in my uh, in my in the gym at Pascac Valley, I have a banner up uh, of uh, <clears throat> five five people who have been very impactful on the basketball program. They've all passed on, uh, and one of them is Mickey Corcoran. So, uh, and Mickey's quote always to me was uh, he would say, "Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, what does it all mean?" And the highest compliment <laughs> you could ever get from the mentor was when he would say, "You get it." And uh, his quote was always, you know, it's never about the X's and O's. It's always about the relationship. So his picture is right there on that wall. So you come into our gym, he's there, and there are four others um, that are all very impactful and inspirational. So that first game introduced me to, uh, to the mentor and also to, uh, to Eddie. And, uh, yeah, that game, that, that game has so many layers to it. I'm sure everybody has a game like that somewhere. Um, but that one always, uh, that one, that one stands out to me as, as the greatest of the greats. And Brian, just to give you, like, not going to go into all of, of Mickey Corcoran and why he's so special to everyone in, in Bergen County athletics and basketball. But every year, our buddy, Darren Cooper, who we had on the show again, many, many moons ago, uh, he does a top 50 most influential people in Bergen County high school athletics every year. And he still puts, Mickey on that list. And he's been passed now, what, three or four years, probably. 
He's always number 40. Okay? Oh, number so 40. No okay. Forgets who he is. <laughs> so, Coach, you're telling that story, and obviously you're talking about advocating for your kids, advocating for girls' basketball uh, at large. I was just very struck by taping the jer- the numbers on the jerseys on, on the on the makeshift jerseys to now. What, so my question is, what is it like now? You've been working for over forty years to advocate and push, and going from that that incident there to what is it like now? I guess maybe what's the state of of girls basketball in your area, and what's it like around Pascac uh, Valley High School? Is, are they are they giving you uniforms every year? Like, oh, we you, you won over a thousand games. What's it What's it like now? Uh, well, you know, we have, uh, we, we certainly have earned our respect. I'll say that. Um, so we, um, those battles are long gone. So, um, what we, uh, we are, um, the game has evolved. So, uh, is played so well, uh, that it stands on its own as just good basketball. So if we, uh, if you coach it well and teach it well, uh, the kids respond to it, um, it's accepted as, as it is. Um, so it's not a perfect world by any means, as you guys would be aware of. So, um, but it is, uh, it is, is evolved into a really good thing. So, um, I don't know what it would be like, uh, if we weren't as successful as we have been. Um, because I think the winning and losing does kind of stamp something, you know, even though we might say that, um, just playing the game the right way is, uh, what we're all looking for. Um, but, um, you, you do get some, some people do judge you by your one loss record, don't they? So uh, some, some of that has taken, has taken some of the uh, rust off, uh, some of the other things. So to answer your question, I think we're, uh, highly respected and and the game uh, is in good hands all right coach this is going to be the toughest question you've had on this podcast and it's our final question <laughs> if i okay. if i talk to those ladies who played for you in uh in that on that first team that first win and and i talked to a young lady that played for you this past season and I said, what's the one thing coach Jasper says over and over again what would that thing be I pretty much reinvent myself all the time because each, as far as I'm concerned, each team uh, is brand new. I don't have anything in my rearview mirror. Um, I think what they would talk about, though, would be over the years how I've uh, the the team the the one the team that was just even just the last year's team would come and watch the next year's team. They would say, "Oh my God, he's he's just softened up so much." He. Tr- <laughs> harder he's letting them get away with that okay you know what i'm saying right we would never get away with that okay oh my god he let him you know let her do that so um i think that would be uh from their perspective okay they would say that i've uh, you know i've just become too soft um but that that would be it Brian, we've had another coach. I want to say maybe someone like Bailey Harris or somebody had that same sort of another coach who had been coaching a really long time, 25, 30 years. Yeah. That their players came back and said, Oh, you were so much harder on us when we were there. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's just something that is inherent. I think that's a, I think that would be a common. (laughs) 
right? Wouldn't they always see themselves as being the, uh, the, the ones who had to be hold, held to a higher standard? <laughs> of course. That's right. I, I know I sure said it. Uh, and yeah. they'll say it today to, to my high school coach. So that's for sure. So coach, yeah, this is, uh, this has been a real, a real pleasure to have you on the show. And, um, I, I love, I uh, just full circle. I love the story from, from Vietnam to coaching and, and even the, the wins. Yeah, okay. That's great. But just the impact that you're making on kids and those girls and even the community, uh, as that article was saying earlier too, about you're a pillar of the community. And so it's just been, it's been really great to get to know you for the last half hour, 45 minutes. And we'll just, we'll just have to do it again sometime in the near future. That would be awesome. I, I, I can't thank both of you enough for uh, giving me this, uh, this forum. You guys, your questions were great. You are, um, you are professional. You got professional and so congenial. So, Thank you so much for uh, for making this so enjoyable for me. Well, we appreciate that. We're going to grab that audio and, and send it to everybody that knows that we're not professional. But anyway, just to just get, <laughs> we appreciate it very much. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. But like I said, we'll definitely have to have you back. This has been a lot of fun. But for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Game.